0: This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. I regret to inform you, you're on Chapel Probation, a podcast that takes a critical look at evangelical colleges and universities. I'm your host, Scott Okamoto. Greetings, reprobates. Now, I'm speaking to you as a cishet man. Go ahead and boo. We deserve it. Most of the world's problems are because of us, but of the cishet men on this planet, it's the religious ones doing most of the damage. And here in the US, it's Christian cishet men. Yeah, fuck those guys. Well, most of them, not all. I met today's guest, Ashley Dunston, on Instagram. She sent me a message, I think about this podcast, and uh, we started chatting. As I got to know her, it became clear that she was a woman exploring her identity in every way (laughs) post-Christianity. Now, Ashley is that woman Christian men are told to avoid, which is a high compliment, I think. She sometimes posts sensual pictures and proclaims her feminism and criticisms of the church intelligently and loudly. She's so cool. I don't think she even knows how cool she is. In a few conversations, she told me about her abusive father and her time at Vanguard University, and it all made sense. She's claiming her identities as a woman with full agency over how she presents herself and how she lives her life. Even still, I was devastated to hear how she came to this. Everything Ashley's father put her through, as horrible as it was, is within the parameters of evangelical fatherhood. They get they give awards out for this shit. Ask ask the Dobson crowd. Some extreme details for sure, but Really, her father just took the pseudo-biblical principles of evangelical parenthood, whatever the fuck that is, to their absurd conclusions. And they were absurd. They were really fucked up. But Ashley is here to tell her story. And let me tell you, she's winning. Yeah,
1: Yeah, uh, my name is Ashley Dunstan, and I went to Vanguard University of Southern California, which is in... Costa Mesa, California, Orange County area, Um, and I was there from 2009 to 2012, and I was an English major.
0: Yay. You know, there's a lot of English majors I'm interviewing, I think there's probably a reason. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Uh, Was was there an emphasis in uh, composition or or writing or literature?
1: Uh, Creative writing was my emphasis. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So... (laughs) Yeah. To me that's always the writing concentration to me is the most useful, utilitarian. It's like a skill, right? Yeah. Like like plumbing or something. Like <laughs> people can't write, so they, they need people like us to yes. to, to write. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't know how to fix my pipes, so I hire a plumber and then yeah. someone can hire <laughs> us to do to write for them. Sweet. So what um and you can go back, but what was 18-year-old Ashley Dunstan like?
1: So so it's interesting because I actually transferred into Vanguard when I would have been like a sophomore. So like my freshman, quote unquote, year of Vanguard, or I mean, of not of Vanguard, but of college, I wasn't at Vanguard, I was just at junior college at home. Um, and I grew up in Colorado Springs, um, which you know, very similar to Orange County is a conserved, very conservative Christian area. Um, But up until that point, when I had transferred to Vanguard, I was, um, you know, just very into church and youth group. I was a good kid, um, oldest of five kids, Um, just really like the responsible older sister. yeah, my high school experience had just been mostly church and youth group events. And uh, yeah, just like living in the strange place that is Colorado Springs. Um, So I was hesitant to leave home, but um, which is why it, you know, it took me like, I, I wanted to just kind of stay home for a year and then figure out what to do from there. So yeah, that's kind of where what it was leading up to Vanguard.
0: Yeah. So you were all in on the on the Christian s- evangelical stuff. Um, yeah. From, definitely. From <laughs> yeah. Um, and how would you describe yourself now? <laughs> and then we'll fill it in.
1: Yeah. Um, oh gosh. Now I am. A, I guess for lack of a better term, atheist. Um, very, you know, a humanist feminist, eat the rich, abolish the police, communist. uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, as far as belief systems go, but otherwise, like, I'm still a writer. I'm still very much a book nerd. I, um, I love little kids. I've, I've been a teacher. I I'm very much still like the the big sister, Ashley, um, that I always kind of have been, I'm still very artistic. Um, but a lot more edgy than I was, uh, you know, in my early twenties, late teens era, I've got a lot of tattoos and, uh, yeah, definitely trying to, uh, come into my own as, as far as like my style and my sexuality and my looks and stuff. So, very different from the very timid modest ashley of those earlier years yeah
0: <laughs> if there's a silver lining to waiting longer to explore some of the quote-unquote wild things in life is that you're more mature when you when you explore now so you have better yeah. perspective as opposed to like when you're 18 and kind of out of control um,
1: yeah definitely so.
0: Yeah, thirties and forties are the best.
1: Yes, yeah, I I love being in my thirties. I feel, I don't know. I just yeah, like you said, you just you have more maturity, but you still have that freedom to kind of let loose. And yeah, I'm I'm all about it.
0: Yep, yep. So okay, so now that everyone knows where you started and where it's with that now, let's let's talk about the ride. So um, at, was there a point? In, in at vanguard um oh didn't this and describe vanguard too so everyone oh, yeah. who's listened to this knows about apu and a couple other schools so and you've yeah. been to apu so and you had you had like a brother that went there you said,
1: yeah right? i had a younger brother and a younger sister that went there um yeah so you impressive. you can
0: you've seen the gamut and the, the yeah like it overlapped
1: with my time there so i would go up and visit them all the time um so, yeah, Vanguard is a pretty small, at least when I went there, it was only like 2,000 students, including um, graduate. So it's a pretty small liberal arts assemblies of God university. Um, so more of a charismatic theology. Um, and I didn't know a lot about assemblies of God before I went. I came from a non-denominational background and um so like the most people would do at my church is like raise hands and like you know it wasn't as charismatic but assemblies of god focuses a lot more on um holy spirit and um so things like speaking in tongues being drunk in the spirit um just a lot more i guess like physically embodied worship um more having to do with prophecy and things like that so um those that was like the, the theology, I guess, uh, behind um, assemblies of God. I will say that I I know that not all the professors that went there were of the AG uh denomination for sure, but um, but yeah, it was definitely a lot more charismatic than what I was ever used to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, and like chapels,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: wh- were you a two a week or three a week chapel?
1: Um, so it was per, yeah, I guess like we had a per semester kind of a thing, but it, it basically evened out to about two a week if you, if you went. Um, but unlike APU, it was not, you did not get a credit for it. Like it was still required, but it wasn't like you got credits like you did for, for class. It was weird. Um, oh, yeah. so there was a lot of debate about why can they enforce this on us when we're not even getting <laughs> a grade for it you know it was just like an extra thing so that was interesting
0: um and and during the services were people like speaking in tongues and being slain in the spirit and barking and jumping up and down
1: (laughs) (laughs) sometimes yeah it kind of depended on the chapel we had different types of chapel so like we had the one that was like you know tuesday wednesday during the day that was pretty mellow it was like a church service it kind of just felt like a you know, big church service. And then we'd have some in the evenings, like there was one in the evening that was all worship. And those were the ones that were like, everyone got a little, you know, crazy and crazy praying for people to get healed and like really intense stuff that, you know, even as a really strong Christian, I was like, I don't know, man, like you're praying for someone's ankle to heal by the time that, you know, their tennis match starts. I'm like, this is weird. I don't like this. Like, (sighs) It just it was like a little scary, a little bit like this is this is a lot. Um
0: like why not and, heal now? Why not yeah,
1: just, right? like <laughs> just a lot of like really that's doubting
0: God's ability. Yeah. He can he can heal it. <laughs> yeah. by but next Tuesday that. he should be able to heal it now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> but I really liked um we had a chapel on Monday evenings that was more of a um what would it be? Like more of like a liturgy based one where it was like it felt more like a class to me and um, it just felt more like you're studying. And um, I liked that more than the worship nights where everybody was like really intensely, you know, crying and on their knees and just very expressive. Um, So I don't know, I've always been more of a studious person and um, I got more out of the the liturgical chapel than I did the more worship ones. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: did did you feel uncomfortable at the worship ones, feeling like there was like a pressure to perform your spirituality in that way?
1: Yeah, kind of. And I I think also like it just it put me in a place where I just felt very emotionally drained afterwards because when you're worshiping, you know, when I really break it down, you are like telling yourself, "I'm so terrible," and I'm old, the only good thing about me is that. I have Jesus and so you know it's like giving all the glory to Jesus and like self deprecating at the same time so I it was just I felt really drained afterwards and um, you know kind of just continuing to tell myself that I'm a bad person even though Uh I wasn't but you know like that it's that same mentality so yeah I was not a huge fan of those yeah yeah
0: So was there a point where you realized, man, this, I don't, I don't buy this. Like, or were were there stages along the way where you started to deconstruct?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, gosh, I feel like it was, you know, I say my deconstruction of my faith was like half intellectual as far as like studying theology and then half like trauma and, um, you know, just, family-related uh, abuse and, and things like that in my personal life. I think that my faith kind of crumbled as um, my personal life crumbled and as I uh, was taking theology classes and learning and finally giving myself permission to doubt and to, um, you know, question all these things that I had um had learned growing up. And I I came to realize that a lot of what I believed, quote unquote, believed was um, it was a response to trauma. So I didn't actually believe in God and in the divinity of Jesus. And in all of these things, it was just my way of trying to cope with um, the life that I had come from. Um, And Vanguard was the place just happened to be the place where I was when I realized all of that and it all kind of came to a head so
0: yeah yeah and and you have you've told your story i've heard you on dan hodge's profane faith where you gave went really into it it was really courageous of you to tell um so i'll I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes but um so it was like a confluence like so did the theology classes help you point that out the bible classes to make the connection between like how your father treated you? And you can, you can talk a little bit about that too.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I, you know, so I don't even necessarily think it was the, um, it, it wasn't even the, the academic content. Um, I mean, obviously that was a big part of it, but like, I couldn't tell you anymore, like, you know, all the different things I learned about church history and church heritage and, sure. yeah. and, you know, Old Testament and Luke and Acts. Like, I mean, I got A's in all of those classes, but I, I, it's been so long since I've cracked open a Bible. I would not consider myself a biblical scholar at all. But I will say I remember the professors I had and the impact that they had on me. And um, yeah. it just so happened that, you know, for the most part, I had a lot of really progressive professors who didn't tell us what to believe, but they open the doors for us to really question things, you know, just the most basic things like, you know, is, is mission work really, um, the most important thing, you know, because what happens when you go somewhere where somebody has seven wives and then they become a Christian and what happens to their family? You know, like what, what happens to like Christianity is not a one size fits all thing. And, um, learning about colonization and learning about, um, just really like how political and sexist and everything, this, this compilation of texts that we call God's word actually is that it's not, um, you know, it's not what it was cracked up to be. And that blew my mind that at a Christian college, there was so much room for doubt and so much room for questioning. And I, I honestly think I just got lucky with these professors who, um, encouraged us to just like, think outside the box and uh really even at a place like vanguard yeah like i i there were definitely a lot of conservative professors but and i had them but um the ones that made an impact on me were the ones that were like you know this is worth questioning and uh you know i brought up even like the the story of um when joseph is accused of of raping uh what is his name? Potiphar's wife, and I was like, mm-hmm. it's so interesting that the Bible has a false rape accusation story in there. I was like, that's really interesting, and I wanted to dive into that because I was really getting into like feminism and feminist critique at that time, and um, and so I don't know. It was just it was nice to be able to point out the things in the Bible that um, were problematic for me because growing up that was just never allowed. And, um, right. you know, I, I come from a family that is very traditionally, um, you know, patriarchal. And, um, you know, my dad is a very controlling narcissist. And so I was raised very much believing that as a woman, the best thing you can be is, you know, an attractive trophy wife and mother one day, you know, and that's, um, and so having to grow up with that mentality, um, I just, you know, I didn't really start to question it. And and I wasn't allowed to question it growing up, um, because my dad was such an abusive, awful person if I did. So like, finally having the space to um, theologically question a lot of this, um, that coincided with me coming to terms with like, oh, wow, like, the way that my dad treated me and my mom and really like my whole family was very wrong and abusive and and he did it under the um under the influence, I guess, of being a Christian and, and feeling like this was his place as a Christian man to assert dominance over the women in his life. Um so that's really where I started to um yeah like question it theologically but then like so much also was happening uh with stuff at home as well so it was just kind of this crazy coincidence that it was all happening at once um yeah i don't know like how much you want me to uh like i feel like there's just like so many things that kind of (laughs)
0: like
1: yeah
0: Um, i mean whatever you're comfortable with because i know it's it's a lot um it's amazing that it's this perfect confluence of the right professors, and it's always the Bible professors that do this, that sort of poke holes in the inerrancy and in, and in the, I don't know, just how perfect the Bible is. And you, and you say, well, there's a lot of ways to look at these things um, while you're going through this sort of realization of the abuse of your father. Um, yeah, okay. if if... <laughs> if enough people listen to this podcast, I think all the Christian schools are going to shut down their theology departments because.
1: (laughs) I know. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of these professors too, I mean, not all of them, but a lot of them were, were men. And I feel like, you know, so many of them really like took me under their wing. And so I, you know, naturally probably from trauma gravitated toward men, middle-aged men who, um, you know, could be mentors for me because I didn't have that from, uh, my father. And so one of my, mm. uh, English professors, his name's Warren. And, um, we just, we really clicked. I was his TA for a creative writing class. He's the one that got me into playwriting. I'm, um, you know, made me realize I'm a playwright. Um, but yeah, just like a huge influence and mentor in, um, in my life. And just, uh, you know, somebody who like, not just cared about me academically, but just on a personal level, like that was, that was huge. And I don't know, I know that not everyone had that experience at Christian colleges or at Vanguard where they felt, um, like they could confide in, in a professor, but like, I definitely, uh, got lucky with, with him. Um, and, and, you know, we still keep in touch and everything. So, and I, you know, obviously, I know from your show that students keep in touch with you, and they, they felt comfortable in your class, like, questioning things or being themselves. And, uh, and I think that's what, you know, I, I guess I still, I look at Vanguard fondly for those reasons um, that I made really good relationships with my professors. But, um, you know, just like, looking back, it was just such a crazy time of, you know coming into who like who I am figuring myself out you know those are some crazy years of your life and then you just add on the the complexity of going to a Christian college which is a trip in and of itself so it's uh I don't know not many people make it out unscathed for sure but
0: yeah yeah in a lot of ways yeah yeah
1: yeah exactly We live in an era of unprecedented access to information, news, and media. But what happens when all that information leads you to suddenly realize you spent the majority of your childhood in a cult? Well, we can
0: tell you. Join me, Jessica Goforth, and Kathleen Reynolds as we take you into the world of cult recovery after all the emotional, psychological, financial, and
1: sexual abuse we experienced as part of Bill Gothard's Advanced Training Institute. On our podcast called Leaving the Village, we talk candidly about our journey out and interview other survivors whose experiences will boggle your mind as scandals continue to rock the twisted world of IBLP. Subscribe to Leaving the Village today so you don't miss a single episode.
0: Now, I'm about to sound really cringy as I try to... try to express my shock and horror at how Ashley's father saw her and treated her. I really couldn't find the words to express what I felt when I saw pictures of Ashley as a high schooler in comparison with her story of getting um, the operation that her father made her get. The idea of her father of a father any father looking at his daughter and being ashamed of how she looks and how it impacts his image well i'll let ashley tell the story um you you mentioned on the profane faith podcast you had like an operation yeah. that sort of transformed your your body now wait i saw you posted a picture of of when i think you were in high school you were <laughs> adorable like how how did your father look at you and think you needed Actually, I I don't want to ask that. that <laughs> question. But like that's I just have to say I uh, I don't thanks. I'm like what because mm-hmm. when you when you told the story on Dan's podcast I don't know I think everyone listening to that must have pictured someone you know a, a lot larger mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. the the way your father spoke to you about it and the way he treated you
1: mm-hmm.
0: was heartbreaking. But then to to see the picture,
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's i mean it's crazy to me now because like i i mean i look at the the weight that i am now and i'm like i'm not i wasn't like that much different than i was in high school now and like i you know for the most part i see myself as like a relatively thin or like slim person you know i mean obviously everybody has a different body shape but like yeah and looking back i'm like wow that's so crazy to me like i was not you know, I wasn't like somebody that you see on those shows where they're like in a wheelchair and they can't, you know, move or anything like that. And, and, right. and, but you would have thought though, because my dad was so obsessed with getting me to lose weight. Um, that like, you know, I think it messed with my perception of myself too. Cause I look back and I'm yeah. like, I wasn't even like that. Yeah. And, and people who see pictures of me in my teen years, they were like, how were you a candidate for gastric bypass surgery? Like I've had, that's usually the question I get most. And like, the short answer is I really wasn't. Um, We just found a doctor that was willing to do it, Um, which is like, you know, really sketchy and weird. And like, you know, a lot of it is like, if you have, if you have money, um, like my dad does, and you can pay everything up front um you know because insurance insurance wouldn't cover it i wasn't because they're like you're not large enough to get gastric bypass surgery and so um you know my dad was fine forking over several thousand dollars um so i had gastric bypass surgery when i was 20. so this was right before i went to vanguard um and so that was kind of my dad's like ultimatum because i I wanted to go to a Christian university and my brother was at Azusa Pacific. And I was like, Hey, this looks cool. Like, you know, I'd like to go to a Christian university. Um, and my dad thought that that was a good idea, but his caveat was like, I just think like, you're not in, you're not in good enough shape to live in a place like California. I want you to fit in and I want you to find uh, essentially like find a husband out there. And I don't think you're going to, unless you're much thinner and so by this point i had been pretty brainwashed to just kind of like believe what he had said um i had no health issues i didn't have i wasn't pre-diabetic i didn't have any any issues at all um my primary care doctor did not sign off on the okay for me to get gastric bypass because he just didn't think that i needed it um and so I ended up having to go to like a different doctor that would sign off. It was so, the whole process was so fucking annoying. And like, I had to get a psych evaluation to make sure that I was um, like, you know, mentally prepared to get gastric bypass surgery. And even the, the psych, uh, the psychologist was like, are you sure you want to do this? And like, you know, they, they, he signed off, but he was like, you're so young and like, He's like, I think you're fine. And um, the whole thing leading up to it, it was just me being like, you know, at this point I would do anything to like get my dad off my back about my weight, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, oh, this will solve everything. And then I'm going to go to Vanguard and then I'm going to have this great life in, in California and it's going to be fine. And like, and for a while that was true, you know, like I got the surgery. um, I was, you know, for the most part, fine afterwards, like. Yeah, for being a, a young person, I bounced back pretty quickly. But like, you know, eating made me so sick, so I just didn't do it very often. And so obviously, I lost weight. And um, I was at Vanguard, losing like I don't I can't remember. I think it, I think it was like ten pounds a month, give or take. But by the time it had been a year, I had lost like a hundred pounds. Um, from like, I got the surgery April two thousand nine. And then by April, 2010, I had lost like a hundred pounds at that point. Um, and so like, that was a lot, you know, being yeah. a In lot a of weight. a short amount of time. Yeah. And, um, you know, going through clothes like crazy and um, just all the side effects that that go with that. Um, and, but, you know, I really thought like, this is great. This is like the life I'm supposed to have. And, and for the first time, like, it really felt like my dad was like proud of me and was, Um, not criticizing me, which was like huge. We didn't, up until that point, we had never had a relationship that didn't revolve around him criticizing my, my weight in some way and like obsessing over it. And, um, and so there was a short time where I was like, this is great. This is the life I'm supposed to be living. And I, I liked living in California. I, we went to Disneyland all the time. My friends and I, I mean, we. Um, we were right by the beach. So I really was like living in this space where I was like, this is what God wanted for me all along. And like, this was God's plan. You know, my dad said that a lot about the surgery that like, that that was God's plan. Um, that, you know, that he, that he found that surgery doing a YouTube search one day and uh, and that was uh, <laughs> so dumb. Um, but, Lord
0: works in mysterious ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, but that's <laughs> like he really he kept calling it divine intervention, and I was like, no, it's literally just narcissistic control intervention, And um,
0: patriarchal, and
1: yeah, um, yeah, it was so
0: misogynistic.
1: Yeah, and and so I mean, naively, I thought like, oh, everything's going to be fine now because yeah. I'm thin and i'm pretty and everything's like everything's great i'm at college and i'm gonna you know do what i want to do with my life and and be a writer and uh you know i don't know marry a youth pastor or a worship leader oh my gosh i'm glad that didn't happen but um <laughs> <laughs> but of course um you know my dad being a narcissist they don't they don't work that way they're always going to find something that they right want to control so now that my dad couldn't control my weight um my second semester at vanguard i started dating a guy and uh my dad didn't like that i was dating him because he was um a musician and he had a lot of tattoos and my dad Mm. was very anti-tattoo anti like you know the whole like musician lifestyle kind of a thing um and so, then became my dad's new mission to try to get me to end that relationship, um, which is crazy. I mean, that relationship was bad for a lot of reasons, but not because the guy had tattoos. You know, it's like, right. but but yeah. my dad again only cares about image. So like, right. he didn't know or care if my boyfriend was not that great of a guy or that he was kind of a jerk to me. Like, it was more about right. the didn't want me dating someone who was, who had tattoo sleeves, you know, even though he went to a Christian college or, or whatever, right. it was like, Oh, I want you to marry someone who is going to make a lot of money, you know, right. is not a, not a musician, not a music major. And, uh, yeah, he had a huge problem with the, the image of tattoos. And so, um, that my, let's see the summer before my senior year, uh, at Vanguard, Um, my dad, I was back in Colorado Springs for the summer and my dad, like, again, gave me another ultimatum. Um, and he basically said, like, if I was going to continue to date this guy, that he would not allow me to go back to Vanguard and, and, you know, pay for me to, uh, to go to school and finish out my, um, my degree there. And so that turned into a whole thing. Um, so I ended up having to, uh, like apply for financial aid and get them to just look at me and not my parents you know because it was like he's yeah. refusing to pay but um you know I I I need financial aid to allow me to do that and um it was a whole drawn out thing I had my youth pastor from back home had to fill out a like kind of like a witness statement to be like yeah this is legit her dad's a piece of shit he won't pay for like um you know so
0: you didn't cave you you wouldn't break off the relationship
1: no no and a lot of it was just like kind of a stubbornness thing like honestly it was not it wasn't a healthy relationship but like I was so like it 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 kind of for me represented my freedom though so I didn't want to give that up you know it just happened to be that this guy was like the thing that You know, like, and, and he was, I mean, in the end, like we didn't work out as a couple, but he was like my first step in really like going for something that I wanted and not what everybody else thought I should have, you know, like, oh, you should have a clean cut. Kind of husband who's i don't know like an accountant or something and not there's anything wrong with accountants but like
0: right no someone that has quote-unquote stability or
1: right um, right yeah so like for my for me to be dating like this guy he's in a hardcore band and he's you know like he's tattooed and stuff like that was not something that that my dad wanted for me um and so again it was just about control um so yeah i i got um financial aid to finish my year at vanguard and so um you know, my dad was not uh, supporting me at all. At that point, I, you know, figured out a way to, to get, to get back there, to finish out my, my school year. I had an on-campus job at the, um, at the writing center. And, uh, and so that was like how I had extra money. But other than that, like I was pretty much estranged from my dad at that point. So I wasn't talking to him at all. And then my last year at Vanguard was just crazy because, um, i was doing so many things at vanguard i was a ta creative writing uh uh, creative writing ta i was editor-in-chief of our um literary uh magazine at vanguard the english department magazine and uh gosh i was just doing a lot of things for the school i was very busy um and it was my senior year so getting ready to graduate and stuff and i was In a relationship with this guy we had actually gotten engaged that um spring so i had a a ring by spring you Um, did it (laughs) (laughs) yay so embarrassing uh we did not end up getting married but just had to throw that out there that i had a ring by spring um and then though back at home in colorado like my parents marriage was falling apart um Mm. my dad was becoming increasingly crazy um at home i had two younger siblings that were still at home um that were in high school at the time and then two siblings at a at, uh, apu um so i would you know try to visit my my siblings at apu a lot but i was getting so many phone calls from home um from my mom and from my younger siblings just about my dad's like absolutely unhinged behavior and um He's a very wealthy guy in our community very um respected he has he owns a subdivision he's a very wealthy person and everyone thinks he's like the nicest guy but like not behind closed doors and so he had become more controlling toward my mom toward my younger siblings um i was you know i'm in i'm in school but i'm like i'm getting all these phone calls all the time um my mom calls me one day and she's like I found a tape recorder in my purse your dad is like trying to like surveil me he's putting tape recorders um, in my purse i got calls from my younger siblings they were really scared of my dad and just worried that like something was going to happen to them um so i was like calling their school counselor to be like hey my siblings are like really afraid of my dad and my mom's not doing anything about it I'm all the way out in California. Like, what can I do? So I'm trying to, like, talk to their school counselor. Um, and it sucked because it was, like, there wasn't much they could do because they're, like, he's just, like, int- he's being very intimidating, but he's not actually doing anything. Um, mm. And then he was sending me text messages through a texting app where um, they were all, like, Bible verses, and they were, like, the ones that were, like, honor your you know father and mother. Yeah. Like, stupid things like that. And, um, I was just getting like, they were from like an unknown number, but I knew it was, it was him. I had blocked his number, but, um, I knew it was my dad. So I was getting like intimidating text messages from him, um, to the point where I had to talk to campus safety and, um, my English professor Warren, he actually like walked me over to campus safety and was like, see if there's anything they can do he's like she's being harassed by her dad back at home like you know just want to. he's like let's put this on there on their radar because he's like you never know so i really appreciated that um but yeah i was just like like there was just a lot going on where i'm trying to enjoy my last year at vanguard and kind of like figure out you know what i want to do next but like there was just a lot of shit going on um at home uh, at one point my dad, uh, called or emailed, I can't remember, but he got in touch with the, um, the university and told them that I was suicidal and he called in like an anonymous tip or something saying I was suicidal. Um, I, I mean, I figured out it was him because it just, you know, it was obvious because he had said something, they were like, the RA checked on me and was like, so we got a report that you are suicidal. And, we're, and I was like, what? Like I'm okay. And, uh, and they were like, yeah, we, we wanted to check in on you, but also the person who left the tip also said that they think you should be expelled. They didn't say like, go check on her and make sure that she's okay. They were <laughs> like, um, I think she needs to be expelled. So my dad was trying to get me out of Vanguard without, um, without actually uh you know because he couldn't financially so he was trying to find other ways to do it so um he was on on the radar for the ras for you know he was just trying to exert control from a different state um so it was it was crazy i mean i ended up um my parents ended up divorcing um pretty close to when i was about to graduate so that was good but um yeah i ended up graduating may of 2012 um my dad did not come out to my graduation just my mom and siblings did but um i was just like fuck like this is so like it it was something where after all of that happened all that stuff with my dad and everything i was like wow like i realized that i did everything right i i was the good christian girl i was supposed to be in every way and like all this terrible shit still happened. And I was like, there's no way that there can be a God who is like, you know, who shows favor to his most faithful followers, because that's all I was. And my life was like, nothing but unstable, you know, like, my faith was always so strong. But like, I was like, there's no way like, if God is an interventionist kind of God, like, I didn't feel any of that, if anything, like the humans in my life were the ones who like intervened and I had a whole new appreciation for people and, um, community than I did for any kind of deity. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I couldn't reconcile it after a while. I was like, this is not, this is not what I signed up for. This is not the kind of thing that I want to believe in i was like once i figured out who i was i was like i don't i don't need god you know like i think well look
0: look what look what it got you yeah like
1: i i came i i was you know so on fire for god because i wanted a father figure who wasn't terrible so i mean i don't know if i would have had a different relationship with religion if i'd had a loving father i don't know but like that's just how it played out for me. And it just happened to be while I was at Vanguard. Um, So I don't know, like, I, I mean, there were a lot of things about the school that I don't, don't agree with now. And that, you know, I take issue with now, but like, it really was the place where I was able to be like, oh, like, (laughs) this is Mm -hmm. where I need to, like, I was kind of at a crossroads where I'm like, I need to decide if I'm going to live my life for this God and make my dad happy or live my life for me. And I just couldn't, um, you know, I just couldn't reconcile it anymore. Take three. Hey dad.
0: Yes, dear daughter. Why haven't you taken me to a purity bowl? All my friends have gone. They've got dresses and their dads gave them a ring. Why haven't we gone? I signed
1: the pledge to never have sex until you give me to my husband. I only court boys, a- I never date. I'm wearing the chastity belt we picked out together, I mean, I'm starting to think you aren't fully committed to this purity thing.
0: I am committed to it. I just... Think...
1: Well, what? Do you think it's, like, perversely patriarchal?
0: No, that's not it.
1: You find it, like, ridiculously creepy to attend a ball with your daughter where you go through a ceremony to pledge me to commit my virginity?
0: No, that's all good. Then what is it? You're too fat, okay? There. I said it. I can't be seen with you looking like this.
1: I'm a size 4!
0: Well, you used to be a size 2.
1: Well, when I was 12, I'm 17 now, and I have titties.
0: Yeah, but like, they could be bigger. I mean, what kind of man are you going to attract with, like, those? I'm a C-cup. I don't know. Have you seen Mark Driscoll's daughter? Now that's a daughter I would take to a purity ball.
1: But I'm your daughter.
0: Yeah, well, I have my doubts. You see, your mom and I went through a tough time back Well, Okay, I'll tell you what, kiddo Let's get a paternity test To make sure you're my daughter And we'll go from there Deal?
1: Okay, dad, deal Love you, dad
0: Yeah, we'll see (laughs) Yeah, that laughter at the end there That's my daughter and me Really regretting recording that yeah. Were there parts of the culture, the evangelical culture at Vanguard, but in general um, that supported your, your father's side of things?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I went to, um, they had counseling services at Vanguard for, for free. Um, Cause we have a, we, I say it like I'm still there. They had a, uh, <laughs> a grad psych department. So the grad students in the psych department were, would do therapy. Um, I mean, it was supervised, but they would do therapy for, for free for the undergrad students. Um, and my therapist, I mean, you know, she was fine for a lot of reasons. Like it was, it was fine, but she really encouraged me to keep making efforts with my dad to like Ugh. make amends. And, um, and I think it was just under that idea of like, you know god supports families and families need to you know make amends so
0: and that was after you told her all the all the shit that was going on yeah
1: yeah and um oh. and so i mean yeah looking back i'm like what the fuck? but um yeah i mean i think that that the friends and professors who knew my story for the most part were like yeah screw that like don't talk to him But I think overall, like in chapel or just in um, the whole culture of Vanguard was the idea of like, forgive people and, um, you know, family is extremely important. And just all those like weird traditional white evangelical values that um, that really don't come with a lot of nuance. Right. So yeah, I would say it's like there was still a quite a bit of uh, of that attitude going around. It was really har- harmful.
0: Hmm. While you're going through all this, is is the Ashley of today starting to like emerge from <laughs> <laughs> like the tattoos and the the sexuality and the, the feminist identity? Is yeah. it almost like pushing you in that direction, or is that does that come later?
1: Yeah, I would say it, it started to emerge there. Um, I I feel like I was taking a lot of risks in my writing as well. Um, I was I was writing about um, LGBTQ characters, and um, you know, even in a Christian creative writing class, writing things that was more that were more edgy, that had cuss words in them, that had you know, topics that I otherwise, you know, would have been too timid to write about. So I think my writing kind of took off first. I started writing about more edgy things. And then I was like, no, this is like, you know, who I, who I really am. Like I, I never gave myself permission to write from the perspective of a, of a gay person. And then that helped me realize like, Hey, maybe I'm not 100% straight. Like I thought. And, uh, and so i yeah i would say i started um you know kind of breaking away from all those things and being like why do i do all these things why do i keep myself from from so much like why and and just really questioning like am i doing this because i really believe it or am i just doing it to appease everyone else and so yeah i mean coming with that was tattoos and um piercings and kind of that was like my i don't know like physically giving myself permission to rebel was a big part of that because my dad had always been in so much control of my body before that so it was like you know i finally i I should have known but like even once i was skinny it was like okay now though he was very much against me getting a tattoo and so it was still an obsession with my body and having the the freedom to do what I wanted with my body was a huge way for me to heal from all of that trauma of having a um, feeling like my body wasn't my own because my dad was so obsessed with me, um, you know, wanting to, or obsessed with, with my weight. Um, so yeah, that was part of it. Um, I mean, my... I would say my sexuality still came quite a bit later. I was still very um, timid when it came to that. Even the boyfriend that I had at Vanguard, we never had sex. I was still very much like, I wanna be a virgin until I'm married. Um, but then we broke up and um, the year after Vanguard, I stayed in California another year and just like worked as a barista in Newport Beach and um, lived with some friends in an apartment. and. That was kind of the year that i was like okay i'm out of vanguard i'm just doing whatever i'm just working and that's when i gave myself more permission to just like you know go out on dates and like hook up with guys and i didn't have sex per se but like gave myself more permission to like just kind of do what felt right in the moment um and uh you know it was it was nice to be able to be like yeah i'm not a bad person You know, I'm not like, this is not sinful. This really in the grand scheme of things. I don't know why the church is so obsessed with people and what they do with their body parts. But, you know, and um, yeah, it all kind of started to unravel at that point because I was like, this is silly. Like, this is not... (laughs) <laughs> the stuff were you, st- were you still a
0: Christian while you're going through all this? Or did you consider yourself Christian? Or
1: um, At that I- time, I would have called myself like a progressive Christian or like a feminist yeah. Christian. So I was a Christian who was like, being gay is not a sin. And, right. um, you know, women are people. And like, so I guess a, a Christian <laughs> who had, you know, actual values. Um, yeah.
0: I think that's a fringe Christian. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I guess like the the belief part, I don't know, that unraveled as I studied evolution a little bit more and did that more independently, I guess, because there wasn't a lot at Vanguard that I didn't take like biology or anything because I was an English major. And so, um, mm-hmm. but just through like independent study and watching a lot of videos and reading Richard Dawkins, even though he's kind of a dick, but like just different yeah. like um, – but he
0: makes good points yeah um,
1: yeah about and I,
0: culture and, and belief and faith
1: so. yeah yeah so i finally i mean looking back i've always had a lot of doubts about god especially about god's intervention in, in human life and i've always had a huge issue with the book of job and the idea that Oof, god allows yeah. suffering that god even participates in suffering
0: and yeah, that just never,
1: yeah yeah that never sat right with me and um you know, it, it took me, it took me a while to finally like call myself an atheist or to be like, no, this just isn't, you know, like I wanted it to be true, but that doesn't mean that it is, you know? And I, yeah. um, a lot of me believing in God was me just wanting a, a man to love me in a fatherly way. And once I realized yeah. like, that's, you know, that's a great thought, but like, that's just not, it doesn't. It doesn't check out and um and so it was a bit of a grieving process for sure but um i think it made me a lot more appreciative towards the the people in my life because i was like all these things that i got through like i got me through them and my loved ones my support system got me through this and like i don't need to give credit to to god because all the times that god could have intervened you know he very much did not, <laughs> and these things right. that we called divine intervention were very much not that. <laughs>
0: so yeah. where was God when you were going to all those appointments to get around the rules of the, yeah. the operation?
1: I totally. Mean, yeah. There are a
0: lot of places that that could have been cut cut off, but yeah, yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> oh man. So when when you look at your life post Vanguard, is is there still a part of you that i don't know compares yourself to that or uh delights in the freedom from that um i just interviewed some mm-hmm. some people from biola and they and they they partied at biola and <laughs> just went wild and um to this day i think they mentioned that yeah there's still part of them that's kind of like haha <laughs> uh, i'm living my best life now um yeah. Whereas back, you know, it was so against the rules to to do anything.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like looking back, I I wish I had let loose a little bit more. Like, yeah, me too. You know, I'm yeah. like, I would have been fine. All the stuff that I was so worried about, like, you know, it's like it's not that big of a deal. Like, I don't know. Just, I was so worried. I don't even know. Afraid, what
0: right? Huh? It was fear. It was fear.
1: Yeah, like I, yeah. I don't know. I guess I just thought that, like. I was at that point, I was like, you know what? I've lived my whole life never doing anything bad. And, you know, I've never. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that means. But I was like, I've never had a, uh, you know, I've never gotten drunk. or Well, so at Vanguard, you're not allowed to drink even if you're off campus and you're 21. Um, And so, like, I mean, but the guy that I was dating, he lived off campus in an apartment with his friends and they were always drinking, but I never. Personally, uh, yeah,
0: stuck to it.
1: Yeah, and really, I mean, when you have gastric bypass surgery, you're not supposed to drink alcohol that much anyway. So I kind of like I missed that whole like wild 21 years. Like I literally, like I cannot binge drink, or I would probably die. Like I just I don't have the anatomy to support that kind of a of a thing. So when I turned 21 at Vanguard, I went to Disneyland, <laughs> And like, my my roommates and I went to Disneyland, and I didn't drink anything. We went to Cheesecake Factory afterwards. And they're like, Do you want to drink? And I was like, No, it's not allowed. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just little things like that, where I was like, I, you know, I didn't really let myself, um, you know, explore more or like, or I found I, I dated the first guy that I vibed with. I didn't date a bunch of people. I kind of wish I'd done that. You know, I, I had one steady boyfriend through, through Vanguard. Um, and I just wish I had, you know, mixed it up a little or even dated girls. Cause I didn't realize that, you know, I like guys and girls, but like, I never gave myself permission to do that. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm making up for a lot of that now. Um, just, you know, I mean, I'm, in, I'm married and I'm in a, in a monogamous marriage at the moment. And so like, it's not like I'm exploring my sexuality in a, like, you know, I'm not dating anybody else, but I at least can admit and say, like, I'm attracted to men and women. And like, that was a huge mm-hmm. thing for me being able to say that. Um, but, you know, I, I wish I had given myself permission to, to tap into that before. Um, you know, and now I, I take, take, I don't know what to have, what to call it, partake in marijuana. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that to me was like a huge thing. Like, oh, I can't smoke pot. It's such a big deal. And it's like, it's not, Yeah, it's not no. like, I, I just, I think, and it's not very often. And I still am like such a nerd because I get too high. And then I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I I'm still very new to that, but it's like, Oh, my gosh, this is like the most harmless thing. And I used to think it was the worst thing, you know, and well,
0: right. Well, that's how I, you know, we're raised that way to be terrified mm-hmm. of these things, right? whether it's sex or it's or it's drinking or mm-hmm. or weed. And then we're raised to believe that the consequences could be our soul, you know, our, our salvation. yeah, and so it's terrifying. So, you know, I got to say, I applaud you for, because you're still very young and you, you've gotten to this place where you're, you're letting go of those fears and, in um, living your life. That's, it takes a lot of courage to make each one of those decisions. Um, I, I have friends who are still my age and I'm old, <laughs> um, who, who, who would agree with us on all the things with the Bible, church, patriarchy, you know, race, feminism um but just can't let go of the ingrained faith that that they have mm-hmm. because you know so that there's all these different categories of christian that you can be that yeah progressive In but if you really press them like if you actually get them drunk or something <laughs> they, <laughs> they might they might let it slip you know, i don't even know you know what i believe but, yeah but i just can't i can't you know I have friends in the church my family my kids they go to Sunday school and you know I, I hang out with the pastor um yeah it takes courage to to just pull yourself all the way out and then and it takes courage to to let yourself live and even even dream of the things that were completely forbidden so yeah i Thanks. salute you <laughs> it, took, it took me longer uh, Thanks. Yeah. Uh, i was well i was in my 30s when it all started to just um, unravel.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think a big part of it too is just, you know, after, after Vanguard, I met and fell in love with somebody who's not a Christian. And I think that was a huge part of my faith deconstruction too. Um, you know, Kelly, my husband now, we've been married for eight years and, um, you know, he didn't grow up with all this religious stuff at all, you know? And yeah. so, He just seeing someone who like he, you know, was raised by hippies and was just very much like, you know, the I mean, he didn't he didn't really have TV or anything growing up. So he he was sheltered in certain ways, but more of like in a, you know, like a naturalist kind of way. His parents wanted him to be outside and hug trees and stuff. And uh, but like, you know, I, I realized like you don't have to have faith to be a good husband to somebody and to, you know, he, I didn't need to find a quote unquote spiritual leader. Um, you know, and, and all the things that make him who he is, like he doesn't, it's like, he doesn't need to be a Christian. Like he's, you know, perfect as he is. And that was a huge part of realizing like, you know, it is not like Christianity does not have a monopoly on being a great person and having a great life. And, um, and that was like, so huge for me to realize I can be unequally yoked. Um, And, and, you know, just naturally, I mean, I was kind of a Christian ish, when we got married, and I he was the first person I ever had sex with, he was fine with waiting until we got married, which is awesome. I mean, I kind of wish we had, I wish we had just done it when we wanted to, but you know, I was still really attached to purity culture. And so I, It's
0: hard to let go of that speaks well of him that he was willing to honor your, your, your values. Yeah.
1: I guess I, I guess I was worth it (laughs) too. But, um, (laughs) but yeah, I think, I mean, that's really what it came down to is I, you know, like God, I can't, see or touch or feel God but like the greatest love I've known my my husband there is nothing God or religious about that and it's made much of a you know a much bigger impact in my life you know he's the most stable presence I've had in my life after a pretty tumultuous you know upbringing and stuff and and he continues to be that even as my family continues to be very difficult to deal with. And so I, I don't know. I, am like, yeah, this whole uh, you need to have God in order to be a good person is not, that is not true. And that's not what the evidence I see with, with him. So, um, you know, I, I would gladly, um, risk hell for, uh, for this, this relationship that I have if if that is truly what, (laughs) what would come Mm -hmm. of it.
0: Yeah. That's the message that Christians do not want to get out. (laughs) Yeah. Because most of what the hold that they have on people is based on the idea that, you know, you you need church and God and Jesus to not just go apeshit crazy and start murdering people and um, (laughs) raping and pillaging and um, (laughs) stealing. So, yeah. No, we, we, we have found... We have found the secret Right, <laughs> like the book that I were just turned in is it's all about the life that I have today is so much more rich and vibrant and loving and, and caring than it ever was. And, mm-hmm. and I had a good life before it was, it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you, I, I so many things, huh? Oh, yeah.
1: And, I, could, I don't know
0: if I would do, do all the things if I went back, but I know I wouldn't be afraid of them mm-hmm. and live a life dictated by fear instead of just living a life of curiosity and yes. exploration. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, definitely. Um, the last thing I usually have people say is uh, <laughs> I want to go to Vanguard. What, what would you, what would you tell that person? Oh my gosh, what's it like?
1: I, I, Oh, gosh, I definitely would say, hold on, really think about it. Um, because really, like, I think in recent years, Vanguard, their either their provost or their president, kind of came out and made a controversial statement that, like, they support traditional marriage between a man and a woman. And, and it was very, like, homophobic. And so... For that reason alone I'm like mm, I don't like I don't know if that's a across all assemblies of God kind of a thing but it's like do research on the denomination that you're going to first cuz I don't know I'm not saying like absolutely don't go to a Christian university cuz I I would like to think with this generation that it's just inevitable that colleges are going to get more progressive and more um, open, you know I think our even our even this newer generation of Christians I have a little more faith in. So again, like I'm not here to knock anybody's religion like it didn't work for me, but I'm also not out on a tirade to like completely eradicate Christianity. I would say I I would speak out against anything that is a dehumanizing or hateful denomination. So um, you know, I would say there are probably, more progressive colleges that you could go to or if you're looking for a small liberal arts college there are other options besides vanguard also it's like balls expensive and you know like i i i don't know it's like just i would say do your research and um you know it's a i mean it's a beautiful location but there's also like orange coast college around there there's different you know like there are places where you can get the same education and you're not going to have any of the trauma and, uh, (laughs) you know,
0: patriarchy. Yeah. yeah. Purity culture.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I would say like, be careful.
0: (laughs) Be careful. Yeah. (laughs) I usually have some thoughts to conclude, but really my mind is blown. It's not even because I'm a father. As a human being, I I see the way evangelicals treat their own children, and to me, it's criminal. Thanks to things like Focus on the Family and Mark Driscoll pastor types, fathers and husbands are encouraged to be fascist assholes charged with manipulating and abusing their families in the name of GOP Jesus. Fuck that shit. I see Ashley as a smart caring human who deserves so much better than her father and I'm so glad she found a life partner who values her and supports her so well that's the winning I mentioned at the beginning Ashley despite all the abuse and evangelical bullshit telling her to forgive the abuse is living her life and she's writing her story out so I know that it will contribute to the cause I want to thank Ashley for coming on to Chapel Probation and telling her story. And, and um, there's more of her story on my friend Dan Hodge's podcast, um, Profane Faith. I'll have a link in the show notes where she really gets into a lot of the details of her story um, that were a little different from here. But anyway, uh, she's a trooper and she's an amazing person. And I'm really glad you all got to hear that. So, we'll see you all next week on Chapel Probation. This episode was brought to you by bass players in worship bands. Ladies, if you want to really piss off your fathers, date the bass player in the worship band. Just maybe the drummer, but yeah, the bass player, worship band. Check it out.